Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right. So today I want to talk about faith. Now, faith is a fundamental truth that every believer needs to be fully established in. So we are commanded to live by faith and to live. It's all encompassing. It's not just uh, our religious life or our spiritual life. It's in our eating, in our sleeping, in our resting, in our playing. Everything that we do. Faith to live by or to live by faith. So when we pray, it's by faith. When we worship, it's by faith. When we lay hands on the sick, it's by faith. When we hear and respond to the voice of God, it's by faith. When we love, now don't tell your wife this, when we love, it's by faith. So, all right, you guys, you guys are in a great mood today. All right, so in various places, the Bible compares the life of a of the believer to the construction of a building. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10, Ephesians 2, 22, and Acts 20, 32. So in the natural, the first and most important feature of any building is its what? It's foundation, right? So faith is a fundamental, it's a, uh, a foundational truth, and a foundation must be level, correct? It must have integrity, and it must have stability. So the strength, of the, the strength of the building is dependent upon the quality of the foundation. So um, have you guys ever seen that V8 commercial? It's an old one. They didn't have their V8 and they were walking sideways. All right. So faith is the thing that aligns us back and it, it puts us on even ground. And if there's a faulty foundation, the building's going to be leaning or it's going to lack longevity. So faith is a fundamental truth that must be understood and established within us as believers so that the spiritual house that we are building is strong and built to last. So before I want to get into uh, how understanding faith and learning how to express faith, um, I want to talk about a faulty mindset. Because remember, we're dealing with the foundation, right? So let's deal with some things that could be faulty. And one of them is God is in need of motivation, and it's my faith that moves God. I believe if we have that thought, our foundation will be faulty to believe that God needs motivation. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what motivated God? His love. And we know, right, from 1 John, that God is? So who motivated God? Himself, correct? So God is not apathetic. He's not passive. He is actually passionate, and he is enthusiastic towards those he loves. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this is a cornerstone of our faith. 
God loved, right? Which is who he is, right? God loved. He gave. So this is dealing with motivation, right? He gave and we believe. So faith is our part. Say faith is my part. But God is not in need of motivation. Come on. So here it is again. God was moved by his love. So what does this tell us about faith? Faith is our connection to what God is already active in. Okay? God love, he gave, and then what? We believed. Right? So what is our part? Faith in what God is doing. Okay? See, a lot of times people talk about faith as like twisting God's arm to do something. Come on. But faith is just partnering what, with what he's already done and what he's doing. So God is not uninterested in your circumstance. Right? God is not apathetic in your troubles. God is actually moving whether you realize it or not. Have you ever gone through a difficult time and you're like, oh, God was doing this. I didn't even see it. I didn't even feel it, but God was working. Come on. God loved, he gave, and we partnered with it to believe and receive. Come on. So faith is about connection to what God has already done. When we get saved, it's something that God has already done. He died on the cross. So when we have faith for salvation, it's partnering with what he's already done. By his stripes, we are healed. It's something he's already done. So faith is partnering with what he's already accomplished. But then he's also doing things now. So faith is our connection to what he's already done, but it's also our connection to what he's doing and saying right now. Why do the people perish? For lack of vision. And that vision means what? Uh, divine inspiration. It's not just a five-year plan. It's not like what you're doing next week. It's actually revelation and illumination. So faith is not just what, faith is not just partnering with what he's done, but it's also what he's doing right now. What he's saying right now. So our faith is what connects us to his reality and his desire. Now, we'll get to this later, but true biblical faith can only agree with God's word. Yeah. So faith in a politician is not true biblical faith. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're welcome, Reuben. <laughs> true biblical faith only is connected to his word. Come on. So his word is obviously scripture, but it's his thoughts, his character, his nature, his wisdom, his desire, his counsel. So faith is not trying to get God to do something he does not want to do. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? Faith is just partnering with what he's already done. And how do you know that? Scripture. <laughs> right? And what he's doing, hearing his voice by the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on. 
So faith isn't about moving God. It's about co-laboring with him. All right. So a simple definition of co-laboring is his desire for and my and our faith too. Say with me, his desire for and our faith too. So what is our responsibility? To press in and know what he's doing. Know what he's saying. You don't have to convince God to do something he's already doing. Come on. Are you guys hearing me? So our faith is aligning with his desire, his plan, his heart, his love, his compassion, his voice. So when our revelation increases, our faith will grow and mature. Guess what? When we can know what he's doing and saying, guess what? Our faith will have an opportunity to step into it. Come on. So what is biblical faith? So that was dealing with that faulty mindset that God needs motivation. God needs my faith to get him to move. Okay? Now, I will say this. There are times in Scripture where it gives the impression that someone's faith moved God. But if you look at those, like the centurion, what did he say? What did, I know what it means to be under authority. And I know you have authority. So what was he partnering with? His understanding of who God was. Do you see that? What about the woman with the issue of blood? In Isaiah, it talks about that healing would be on, the, on his wings or on the hem of his garment, right? And so when the woman reached out, who did she see him as? She saw him as the Messiah. So do you see this? So what about the Canaanite woman? She perceived Jesus as master. So faith is partnering with what he's already done and what he's doing and seeing him for who he is. You'll never press in for miracles if you don't see him as a healer. Right? Especially if you think he's doing it to you. That's another sermon in itself. But All right. So what is biblical faith? Well, let's first talk about how faith comes and how we receive it. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, say hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So there's three consecutive stages of how we receive faith. The first one is God's word. What is the origin of true biblical faith? The word of God of God, the living word of God. So true biblical, true biblical faith can only agree with his word. You can, if you can't find it in God's word, it's not faith. Faith is based solely on God's word. So where does biblical faith come from? Where's the source? His word, what he's doing and saying. Okay, the next step is hearing. Say with me, hearing. So we receive it through our soul. So God's word does not immediately produce faith, but it starts with hearing. So the source is the word of God, but we have to hear it. Okay, we have to hear it. 
But hearing in this context is, is described as an attitude of awakened interest and attention and sincere desire to receive and to understand the message presented. So it's not just any parent knows that your kids can hear you. No one knows what I'm talking about. Your kids can hear you, but they're not interested. If faith only came by the sense of hearing, every kid growing up in church would be full of faith. Are you guys hearing me? It's not just hearing with your ears. It's with an attitude of interest. Come on. So it's a combination of awareness that this is God speaking and an interest and a desire and a surrender to it. Without awareness and interest, what we hear will never turn to faith. If we do not have interest and desire for it, or even know that it's God speaking, we won't have faith for it. How many of you have ever been kind of, you stayed stagnant because you're like, I just don't know if it's God. What, do, what is that saying? I don't have faith for it. But when God speaks to you, come on, when you say this is God's doing, this is what he's doing, and this is what he's saying, what does it then produce? It produces faith. Are you guys seeing this? For God's word to turn into faith, it cannot remain in the soul. Your soul is your mind, your intellect, right? There's a lot of people that know the word, but they do not have faith. Because it remains in the soul. His word must be rooted and established within the heart to produce true biblical faith. So what is, what is the stages? The first one, the origin is God's word. The next thing is actually hearing with interest and desire and awareness. And the third step is to get it from up here down to here, into the heart. So faith is established within the heart when we believe it. How do we know that faith is established within the heart is when we believe it. All right. And I'm going to get to and I'm going to talk about what the difference is. So what is the difference between mental acceptance and believing from the heart? See, mental acceptance is an agreement without practical application. No one can relate to this, but I thought I would just say it for me. I may know. What is good to put into my body? Food, right? I may know. But until I actually do something about it, it's just a head knowledge. Come on, right? I know that this, I will pay for this donut later. <laughs> I know it. But unless it, this truth changes me. Come on. Until it produces a practical application, it's just a mental agreement, right? I might believe, I might believe that planes fly, but I will never get on and ride one if I don't believe it, right? I might know it, but if I am terrified, I will not get on it. Come on. 
So mental, so believing from the heart is acting upon the truth that you hold. Mental acceptance of truth is not biblical faith. How can I prove it? Have you ever heard someone say, yeah, I believe in God? You, be, you believe in God? Really? Well, faith takes that truth, and it actually, when it's in our heart, it transforms us into action. It transforms us into that truth that we hold. Truth that is held in the mind is knowledge. Maybe your favorite actor is Tom Cruise. I don't know. Right? And you might know everything about him. You know what his favorite color is. You, you know what he likes and dislikes. But how many of you know him? You know him from knowledge. Do you see the difference? So it's not, having a relationship with Jesus is not just knowing facts about him. It's actually about experiencing him through relationship. Come on, are you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? How many of you know, sometimes when you hear me speak, you're like, that kind of sounds like his dad. Or that sounds like his mom. We know each other, right? So when I walk into a room, I might not hear a thus saith the Lord, but I know what God's saying. And I know what he said. And I know his character. Why? Because of relationship. Are you guys following me? Until truth penetrates the heart, there will be no faith and no fruit from that truth. This is why James could declare without faith or faith without works is dead. Faith without the transformation of stepping out and doing something with it is dead. Now, in the natural, when someone dies, what happens? Their spirit leaves their body. So people walking around saying, oh, I have this faith, but it doesn't actually produce anything. What is that saying? The spirit has left. Come on. Are you guys following me? Because it is impossible to have true biblical faith within the heart without the corresponding action of believing. Come on, this, this is good stuff. This is foundational stuff, but it's, we need to be reminded of it. So what are the stages of faith? Or how, how, does, how is faith established within our heart? The first one, the only source of true biblical faith is the word of God. Okay? The second is hearing with awareness and interest. It's not, it's not saying, oh, I heard you. I heard you, but... There's no change or there's no interest. There's no awareness. So mental agreement alone does not produce transformation. And lastly, believing and acting upon what you hear is faith. If God's word says it, then I believe it. Then I respond to what I believe. Come on. Now, all this would not be possible without the work of the Holy Spirit. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word there is rhema. And the rhema word of God is a living voice speaking directly to our heart. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no faith. 
I'm going to say this again. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, there cannot be faith. How many of you have read a verse a hundred times and God tells you to go back to it, you read it again and it becomes quickened within you? That is the work of the Holy Spirit making that word come alive within you. And when that happens, is there not transformation? Come on. Since faith requires action or change, what are the three main expressions of faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. You know, there's not many words in Scripture that it actually defines itself. And faith is one of those words. Now, faith... Now, this is the definition. The definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. All right, so even though we're talking about three forms or three expressions of faith, which is the nature and character of faith, I'm going to break it down into three separate expressions. The first one is, say with me, faith to live by. Faith as a fruit and faith as a gift. <laughs> All right. So the first one I want to deal with is faith to live by. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So who are the justified? Who are the just? The justified, right? Those that believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So first, it is the faith to receive the life that Jesus offered, and then it's faith to walk out that life, okay? So how do we go from faith to faith? First, it's the faith to receive the life that's been offered. It's salvation, right? And then it's the faith to walk out that life that's been given to us. So when we first believe the gospel, we receive the new life that God has promised us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who, who has reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the foundation of our faith is the work of Jesus Christ in us, the new creation. The foundation of our faith is to say, because of Christ, I am actually a new being. I'm a new creation in Christ. So that is the foundation of it. And so that's something that we have to be certain. We have to be confident and assured of this. And if you look at, in Romans 17, another version says, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. So it moves us from receiving life, that new creation life, to the power of living that life, that living that life by faith. And so from that foundation of our faith, we can extend that faith to the world around us. Hebrews 11, one through two. And a lot of times Hebrews 11, one, we just stop there, but there's a verse two. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, what is it? For by faith, for by it, the elders attained a good testimony. So it's taking something that was hoped for, meaning it's not there, and something that's not even seen. And what does it say? For by faith, they became a good testimony. They what is that saying? They took what was unseen and they manifested it through their lives by faith. Are you guys seeing this? So how do we go from faith to faith? Say with me, as God is revealed. So when the truth of Christ and the gospel is revealed, what happens? We have an opportunity for faith to grow and to mature and to go from faith to faith. So as God has revealed the nature and the character of God, his word coming to life through the Holy Spirit, the realities of his kingdom and heaven perspective, our faith will mature. It will develop and grow as God is revealed. So when it says from faith to faith, what is that to? From faith to faith, what is that to? It's revelation. So faith... For me to go from faith to faith, I need revelation. Okay? So as the truth of Christ in the gospel happens, as I receive it through teaching or I receive it from just reading the word and the Holy Spirit makes it alive in me, that revelation takes me from this faith to this faith. And remember, faith is not just a mental agreement. Come on. It's not just a mental agreement it actually transforms us into action because faith without works is dead. So revelation is the catalyst. It's what's in between. So for faith to mature, it requires revelation. Come on. What is the context of hearing? Hearing with interest. Hearing with awareness. Hearing with hunger. Are you guys seeing this? It's not just fill myself with knowledge. It's open myself up to allow the, the work of the Holy Spirit to transform me that I begin to walk it out and not just agree with it in my mind. Luke 17, 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith, God. But what is the context? It wasn't moving mountains. It wasn't casting out demons. It wasn't healing the sick. What was it saying? And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The context is increase our faith so that we can consistently forgive those that sin against us. Whoa. This is what you call faith to live by. God, we could cry out for miracles. But are we crying out for healthy relationships in our life through forgiveness and grace and mercy? I love that. Uh, you know, forgive you. As many times as needed, you forgive. And the disciples say, well, increase my faith, Jesus. <laughs> it was very real back then. It's very real right now. It's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but oh, it's easy to put our attention solely on the miraculous things connected to faith, but it's also loving those that hurt you. 
I'm glad I'm just preaching to myself today. <laughs> so faith to live by is a lifestyle. Luke 17, 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. What is the context here? The context here is forgiving those who sin against you. And what does he relate it to? Pulling a tree up by its roots. Sometimes we can allow unforgiveness in our lives and it can be rooted in us and we don't even realize it. And then the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and says, oh, what's this? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Lord. Increase our faith. Come on. So I want you to see the parallel between God's forgiveness and ours. So it says, if you speak to this tree to be pulled up by its roots, so to uproot offense, distrust, strife, skepticism, bitterness, rage, right? Because the context is our relationships with those around us. And plant the tree into the sea. Where do you have to plant a tree in a sea? Where do you plant it? You got to go to the depths. The deepest part. Where you can't get to it again. I don't know if you've ever watched those National Geographic things. <laughs> Not much lives down there. So it's saying, plant that root of unforgiveness in a place where it cannot thrive. Come on. Where it cannot sustain life. Let's look at Micah 7, 19. Now this is speaking of God. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You're going to cast my sin into the depths of the sea. Do you see the parallel? Where someone sins against you, where should we put that? The same place where God puts ours. Come on. Say with me, increase my faith, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You didn't know you were getting this this Sunday morning. But I want you to notice something. How do we go from faith to faith? What is that to? From faith to faith, what is that to? Revelation. All right? So as the nature of God is revealed, so shall our faith mature. As we see God forgiving us for what we have done, it should stir faith within us to do the same for others. Come on, are you guys seeing this? So as we see him for who he is, we become more like him. All right? So the just shall live by faith. What life is that? It is the life that is supplied only through faith in Jesus Christ. So the just shall live by faith, but what is that faith? It's a life that's promised to us. Now, what scripture verse must I have every time I preach? Does anybody know? I say this every time. Well, see, he gets to hear all my sermons, so. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Say life. life. 
and that they may have it more abundantly. So this is the life that is provided for us. Are you guys seeing this? So this, is, this speaks to the way in which we live life, and that encompasses everything, everything. Our faith in Christ should transform every decision that we make. Come on. And to live, it's all-inclusive. It deals with our eating, our sleeping, our working, our resting, our playing, our planning every aspect of life. Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Fill your lives. Not just your Sunday morning life. Not just your Sunday shoes life. But fill your life in all its richness. Come on. So as he is revealed, it should saturate every part of our life. When we go to scripture and the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us, what should our, our response be? How, what should our response be? How does this fit into my daily life? God takes you to the scripture. He's cast all your sins into the bottom of the sea. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, you're so merciful. You, you know, Janet... Uh, oh, Holy Spirit, you're t uh, oh, I don't want to talk about this right now. Lord, Janet, Janet from work. He doesn't let that slide. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You are so merciful. Can you extend some mercy to Janet? Not Janet. Not Janet. I, I love her by faith, Lord. <laughs> I'm glad I'm only talking to myself today. So how does this look practically in our daily life? You structure, you position your life in a way that it connects to his reality. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your life, spirit, soul, and body. My life becomes a reflection of his reality. How? We identify with his reality, his truth by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Isn't that so amazing? Oh, yeah. And for by it, the elders attained a good report. So as God is revealed in your life, people are going to start noticing it. Oh, I thought it was just a mental acceptance. No, actually, it's, it's supposed to be rooted in our heart that people can start seeing it. Do you want to be a good testimony? Allow his word to transform your heart. So that was the first one, faith as a faith to live by. The second one is faith as a gift. Thank you, Father. Now, there's three quick points that I want to make about the gifts of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit, uh, which faith is a gift of the Spirit. The first thing I want to point out is they are given at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. Who picks... Which gifts do you have? Holy Spirit. You can't develop something that the Holy Spirit doesn't offer. If you could earn a gift, it would be a wage, not a gift. If you could earn it, it would not be a gift. It'd be a wage. The second thing I want to point out is 
Their purpose is for the manifestation of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Why are the gifts of Spirit of why are the gifts of the Spirit given to us? To, yeah. To reveal who? How great you are? No. It's to reveal the Spirit of God. They're not there to reveal your greatness. Come on. The gifts of the Spirit are, are not there to reveal your greatness. They're there... The key word is manifestation. The Holy Spirit who is invisible is made manifest to the human senses where he is felt, heard, seen, and experienced. Why do we have the gifts of the Spirit? So the Holy Spirit can be revealed to those around us. Are you guys seeing this? So the Holy Spirit, which is invisible, can be felt and heard and seen and experienced. And I love this. The gifts that you've been given have been given for the common good. Are you guys seeing this? The gift that you have been given is for the benefit of others. We get that twisted so many times, don't we? What distinguishes the gift of faith from other expressions of faith? The gift of faith is sovereign, supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit working through the believer. So we cannot work ourselves up to the gift of faith. We cannot manufacture it. Gift means a thing given willingly to someone without payment. Are you guys, a gift, you can't work for a gift. It's a gift. And at whose discretion? The Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Spirit are a portion of who God is. He's gifting a part of himself. Mark 11, 21 through 22, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That, that, that phrase there can also be translated as have God's faith. This faith does not have its origin in man, but in God himself. So through the gift of faith, the Holy Spirit imparts a portion of who God is directly and supernaturally to the believer. Just like the gift of prophecy. Have you ever prayed for someone and God just drops that? Right? It's a portion of God's knowledge. How about a gift of wisdom? You're in a situation and God drops a gift of wisdom, a part of his complete wisdom to you. And you're like, wow, I didn't know that could come out of me. That was very wise. <laughs> right? So God is all-knowing and he is perfect in all wisdom, but we are not capable to handle all knowledge and all wisdom. You cannot handle all the knowledge that God has. You can't even handle Facebook, okay? <laughs> God knows everything at all times. He has all wisdom at all times. That's why it's a gift given at a moment. And that's the same way 
And the same is true with faith. So when these gifts are in action, we receive a part of God's knowledge and a part of God's wisdom for a specific circumstance. And the same is true for the gift of faith. All right. Thank you, Father. So God is giving a part of who he is through the Holy Spirit as a gift to the believer, resulting in the believer functioning in faith that he could not manufacture on his own. Can you see the distinction of the gift of faith and faith to live by? Right? So faith to live by is connecting to God's reality and then structuring our life to live to to be a testimony of it. And gift, the gift of faith is a portion of God given to us for a specific moment in a circumstance. It's a faith that we could not produce on our own. Luke 17, 6. The Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. So Jesus uses the example of the mustard seed a couple times when he's explaining the power of faith. We also know that Jesus continually confronted the disciples about the size of their faith. And at times, unbelief. What do you say? Oh, you of little faith. Where's your faith? Right? So when Jesus used the example of the mustard seed, could it be that he was referring to the quality of the seed, not the size of the seed? Why? Because they already had little faith. They didn't have much faith. Or is Jesus really saying, yeah, this mustard seed, that's all you need. You're not even there yet, guys. So is it the sizes of the seed or the quality of the seed. So a mustard seed of the God kind of faith, that gift of faith is sufficient to move a mountain or uproot a tree of unforgiveness. Are you guys seeing this? Sometimes we're trying to live by faith and what we need to do is is ask the Holy Spirit to, to give Ask the Holy Spirit to give that gift of faith. When the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the believer becomes for a time a channel of God's Spirit. Jesus did not calm every storm. He did not curse every fig tree. He did not raise every dead man. He left the initiative in the hands of the Father. John 5, 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So faith, whether it's faith to live by, faith as a gift and faith as a fruit are centered around our relational connection to God, what he is active in, what he is active in, and what he's already done. Listen, you can't partner with something that you're unaware of. So our responsibility, our faith is connect to the heart of God. Faith as a fruit, and this is the last one, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit is the... You know, I get to do chapel now, so I learn all these kids' songs. So, 
So it's not a coconut or a cherry or a banana. Or, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the Greek word for faith can be used in different ways. The first way is the way that we've been referring to. But the second way uh, this word can be used is dealing with the faithfulness of someone. So the character of one who can be relied on. So what is the difference between a gift and a fruit? Well, I'll explain it this way. I'll explain it in the way is a, a tree that bears gifts and a tree and a tree that bears fruits. A tree that bears gifts. The gift is not a direct reflection of, a, of the tree. So what do I mean by that? So under the tree, there's a PlayStation. Under the tree, there's a doll. Under the tree, there's a Mack truck. I don't know. So those gifts do not reflect on the tree at all, right? They're not saying that's a Mack truck tree or a PlayStation tree, right? So the gift is not a direct reflection of the tree. The tree is just the avenue in which the gifts are presented. The gift tells us nothing about the nature of the tree. I'll say this again. When we function in the gifts of the Spirit, okay, they're not there to reveal your nature. What are they there for? The manifestation of the Spirit of God. To reveal Him. The gift, does, the gift does reveal something about the giver, not the tree. So when we receive, when we, someone extends love to us. Okay? When someone extends love to us or when we receive something from the Lord... It's revealing his character and his nature. So the gifts should draw us closer to the giver. The gifts of the Spirit are, de are designed to reveal God's character, not yours. I'm going to say that again. The gifts of the Spirit are not, de are not designed to reveal God's character. Oh, uh, now I'm messing it up. The gifts of the Spirit are designed to reveal God's character, not yours. See, a lot of time we can see some, someone functioning in the gifts of the Spirit and say, aren't they just so amazing? But they're there to reveal God's character, not necessarily theirs. And you can see this. You're like, how did this person step into this when they were functioning in this? Because they're not there to reveal that person's character. They're there to reveal God's character. So the gifts are for the manifestation of the Spirit. So a tree that bears fruit, there's a direct connection between the fruit and the, and the tree which bears it. Matthew 7, 16, you will know them by their fruits. How will you know those? How will you know them? By their fruits, right? Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So the nature of the tree determines the nature of the, of the fruit. Fruit only comes as a result to growth and cultivation. A healthy tree produces healthy fruit. Come on. So gifts express the nature and character of God, and fruits express the nature and character of the person as a result of connection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want to end on this last story. 
Bill Johnson actually explains faith this way. If I go into a local pizza parlor and order a pizza, they will give me a number and a receipt. That doesn't happen too much anymore, right? I am to place a number in a visible place on the table. Someone may walk in off the street and come to my table and announce they won't give me any pizza. I'll just point to the number and tell him, when pizza number 52 is done, it's mine. That number is the substance a pizza hoped for. <laughs> that number is the substance a pizza hoped for. If that guy tells me my number isn't any good, I'll point to my receipt. It verifies the value of the number. When my pizza is done, the waiter will walk around looking for my number. Come on. Where does the product of heaven know where to land? Heaven looks for the substance, the number, which is faith. What if someone questions the authenticity of the number, which is our faith? Well, my receipt verifies the value of the number. What is my receipt? God's word. Oh, you can have that. Actually, um, First John, that's, that's my receipt. Are you guys seeing this? Which verifies my right to both the number and the pizza. Which confirms my right to my faith and the promise. Faith apart from God's word is illegitimate, which lacks authority. The word of God is what validates and verifies my faith. True biblical faith is rooted in the word of God. So my desire today was to, to really lay a good found, foundation so that true biblical faith could be understood and established within us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your mercy. Lord, I just pray that even as I spoke today, Lord, I pray that little seeds were are dropped into into the hearts of those that heard it, God. And Lord, I pray for a harvest of faith in this house to arise. Lord, I pray that as, as you are revealed, as your nature and your character and your goodness and your mercy and your justice and your truth are revealed, I pray that it will stir faith within us to not only agree with it with our mind, but Lord, that we allow it into our heart where it transforms us and it causes us to step into what you're doing and step into what you're saying, God. God, we love you and give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Could I have the healing teams come up, please?